What's up, everybody? EP40, Stick and Rink. Your boys are back. It's Elijah, the pride of Vancouver, and Josh, the scum of the earth, liar, missing teeth, doesn't wipe his ass, back to bring you the best damn new podcast on the market. This shit's free. Take advantage of it. You know what else is free? Free money that my bookie will give you. MyBookie.ag, the presenting sponsor of today's episode. And the boys over there down at mybookie.ag are the best site for sports gambling. They're going to give you the best odds, the best picks, the best promotions, some free spins, and then the best kicker. I'll kick you in the nuts again with this one. And it's going to feel so damn good. You're one of those guys on YouTube that loves getting kicked in the nuts and gets pleasure out of it. Um, so throw down a deposit, maximum $1,000, and they'll give you half of that just for free. That's better than any credit card you can get, any coupon that you'll get in the mail that's trash. That's free money up to $1,000. And then you can use that brain inside your skull to make more money. Make picks. Tomorrow, Montreal Canadiens playing the Boston Bruins. You're not only going to take the Canadiens. They're away, by the way. They're on the road. You're going to take them by two. Put down 20 bucks. You'll probably get 140 Don't take my word for it. I'll write a prescription, okay? Let's fucking do it, boys. Episode 40, fire it up. Oh, harder, baby. Josh? What's up, buddy? I don't know what the fuck Pilot Pete is thinking. <laughs> the guy's gone mad. But he loves this shit. Oh. So, if you haven't noticed, we're bringing The Bachelor into this episode. Yeah. Um, I think we need to. We're both rattled right now. I wouldn't say I'm rattled. Okay, I'm rattled. I'm triggered. Okay. Um. So, <laughs> this last week, we went down from six to two. I mean, f- fuck. From six to four. We took away two. <laughs> yeah. Math. Six, yeah. four, two. Yeah. Six, two, four. Whatever. My we girl. Have, we own the 604, baby. I'm already half incomplete because my girl, McKenna, she's gone. That sucked. <laughs> when my girlfriend represent. That. Yeah. That was my girlfriend knew that that was my girl. Yeah. And for some reason, everyone hates her, but she's my girl. Hate Stand her. with her to the end of it. Okay. Um, and then my boy Pete has the audacity to follow this up by sending home the most chill, normal girl on the show. Kelly? Kelly. Okay. You s- Give me your thoughts here. Some more squeaks would be nice. Yeah, too. I know. I'm sorry. Any kind of sound effect from that fucking he- 1990s chair you have right now. Don't judge me. Here, Here's my thing, okay? Kelly, love Kelly right from the beginning. All right. Thought she was dope. She's good looking, got a good head on her shoulders. She's in the sh- uh, an attorney from Chicago. Like she's, she, and she's nice. Like she's nice. Here's the issue though. And I kind of agree with Peter with this is like, you just don't see like, she was almost like too laid back. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like you need a little bit of crazy at this because like, dude, like this is a big deal. Like you're going, it's like going from the elite eight in March madness to the final four. Like that's a big thing. So That's you're going, you're going from the competition side of things. Yeah, hundred percent. You're her coach saying, "Fuck you, you're benched. You're not, you're not excited yeah. enough for this game." Yeah, like she wasn't like hyped up enough. Like the fact that she thinks that she was just guaranteed a rose. I'm like, bro. I'm like, nothing is guaranteed at this hey, point. Coach says, you, check your ego at the door. Exactly. Like you might be able to like kind of wish wash your way through the round of 100%. 64 and the 32, but dude, like the sweet 16 is where it gets a little hot. And if you make it past the elite eight, dude, like. Like you're in, like you're this like the you are a true contender. You're a true contender, and I I don't think she took it seriously enough. And you know what? Your your point is valid here because yeah. she should have kept it together, and she should have been tenacious. Yeah, like Victoria F and Hannah Ann. Yeah, they were tenacious in how psychotic they were and how irrational they thought. But you know what I like though is and the tears. You need the tears if you're on The Bachelor. Now here's the that's inter- the big that's the big goal. and that's the thing. I think it was like the lack of emotion. And like when you when he did ask, I disagree her how, with it. But I'm, but yeah, like I know. I'm not saying that you have to saying. be batshit crazy, like Tammy. You do, no. But well, Kelsey's still on the show. Kel, yeah. But here's the thing about Kelsey though, is I feel like she had so much shit built up, she let it all out, and now I think she's probably the most sane one. She's out actually of the one four. of the most normal now, which yeah. is fucked. So here, here's the breakdown for all that for okay. all of you, you that know don't what? Here, watch. Here's how we'll do this. This is a this is a bachelor spit roast. I'm not even going to put the timer on. 
give me your 30 seconds you can you can give me whatever information you can give me your winner you can give me who's who's the hottest say whatever you want you got 30 seconds yeah go for it okay victoria f hottest easily uh next one that's gone is probably going to be victoria f because she's batshit crazy (laughs) hannah ann is too immature she's too young uh kelsey might actually be it's honestly going to be between madison and kelsey but here's the issue is kelsey i think would be a great bachelorette okay that's 30 seconds the what a cliffhanger to end on fuck let's go you know what i want to what i'm going to say here victoria f is next gone she's fucked in the head kelsey's <laughs> after that she's gonna go back like don't forget Dude, that's victoria, my boy no I'm don't not, forget uh, don't interrupt my 30 seconds either don't okay. you dare matt or uh fuck what's her name uh um, kelsey kelsey don't forget she's psycho um the winner madison virgin it's that's that's the x factor I, I, I think it has to be It's Madison. looked as a negative, but it's an X factor. I think it has to be, be Madison. Madison in the sense that like... Hottest Anna Ann right now out of the ones left. But. Hannah Ann is the hottest? Yeah, she's got something going she's on. ugly. She's got something going on. I don't it's like, like the it. Baywatch girl. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the new Baywatch? Yeah. 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 Um, so that was 30 Seconds of Batch brought to you by the Stick and Rink Boys. But here's the other thing, though. Brought to you by Testosterone. Can I just say... What else is it brought to you by, though? Can, can Uh... That champagne bottle that Hannah Ann popped open. Now Kelsey has magically forgotten about it. <laughs> champagne gate from week one. Yeah, champagne. That was gate. literally six weeks ago. Dude, seriously, like mm-hmm. she actually forgot about that entire thing. Like when, like some when like Hannah Ann came back to the hotel room yeah. with Peter, and the three of them were sitting there. Like Kelsey gave her like the biggest hug ever. I'm like, I'm like, bro, like this Fighter. girl, this girl literally just dropped your champagne. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's time for some hockey talk here. If we have any listeners after all that. We're back in the wing call. By God, that's a miracle. Yeah. Um, okay, so we we last spoke to you two days ago. We were, re- we were ready to burn Vancouver down. Uh, yep, we're back, though. Playoff team, division winner, Vancouver Canucks. The ambassadors of the Canucks, not officially, stick and rink boys, are believers again. Yes. Right? Yes. I think that was a huge win and you called it e you called it i'll give you fucking credit man you're like legends night the canucks need to come out fucking swinging and sure enough they did not disappoint 6-2 against a struggling but decently strong central team in the nashville predators they took advantage of the turmoil and just the lack of everything that the cohesiveness there is no cohesiveness there is nothing there there is nothing there and mark my words, the GM of Nashville, I think it's David Poyle. I think he's gone after this season. I think that's tough. Uh, it, it's going to, I don't if disagree. Na- if Nashville does not at least make it to the Western Conference final and to do that. Oh God. I was just going to say if they, if they make the playoffs, he's fine. No, no chance, dude. This is a winning team. This is unacceptable for what they've been doing all year. Like, you know, he's been there for like 20 years, right? That's life, dude. Yeah, that's life. Sometimes you just got he's honestly, it's just like Iserman. You know what? Go out while you're on top with Tampa Bay. You yeah. built this team. Get it. You know, it's just a new change of pace. Fair. Because eventually I think you almost get attached to your players almost too much. Um, And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like this team should be in the top of the central right now and they're not. And that's a huge issue. You're not wrong. I'm just going to disagree with you and say that if they make the playoffs, he's fine. If they don't, he's out of there. And yeah. it's really shitty because no matter if you're a coach or a GM, you can do your job completely right on paper and and personnel-wise. You can bring in the perfect people to get the job done. Like when they made the Johansson trade, I was like, I think we all said, yep, good trade. You need a centerman. You had a wealth of defensemen. You gave up a great one, but you had to do it. It's not, now he's actually out. <clears throat> the P.K. Subban trade was not great when he did it for Shea Weber, but what he got back when he traded it to New Jersey – what did he get back from New Couldn't Jersey? Couldn't tell you. I just forget I, about I, that. But I just assumed it was a good haul. Yeah. And I remember it being a decent haul. But yeah. that, I just think he's made all the right – I mean, he brought in Matt Duchesne. Like, how is this team this well, bad? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, he's – and I think that's the disappointing part. So, you know, there could also be the factor that people might realize it's like, look, like, this isn't David Poyle's fault because at the end of the day – on, because all the GM cares about is how his team plays on paper. 
All his job is to do is to get the best players that he can afford and put a team on the ice. Now, once that job is completely done, then it's up to Laviolette or uh, who's their head coach now? Um, uh, John Hines. John Hines. Uh, to execute a game plan that he seems fit and work with the players that the GM has given him. And then, at, and then after that, it's up to the players to execute that game plan so they can win some games. So on paper... I think Poyle has done a fantastic job. Dude, this is a top five defense in the league. With uh, like top, on paper, a, top on paper, sorry, top seven, top ten defense in the league. I would say top three or four. I just I don't know with maybe without it, it PK, was it, it was when dropped. PK on paper yeah. like when they first got him it was like but shit, the fact is the that best. you still have Ekholm, Ellis, and Roman Yossi yeah. plus you have a top I would you say top Hamm, ten goalie. You have top ten goalie. Yeah. You have Matt Duchesne, you have Philip Forsberg, you have Victor Arvidsson. Like, you have so Ryan many. Ryan Johansson. Ryan like Johansson. Kyle so Turris. You got you Kyle got Turris. Tons, man. So many pieces. So many pieces. That just aren't doing anything. And, and you know what? This could just be an off year. Yeah. Like, you I'm know. completely behind. If I'm a fan of Nashville, and we're really hammering on Nashville and not Vancouver right now, but I think that's the more interesting part of this game, at yeah. least for now, is that if I'm a fan of Nashville, I don't want any changes. No. Like, like if I'm, I'm sorry, like maybe like sure, you, maybe fire the coach, maybe fire the GM personnel wise. I want this exact team back next year because I, I would believe in this team on paper. Yeah. And because all, this entire team, it's not even like their window is closing because this team is oh. still decently young. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, uh, Roman Yossi is maybe a little bit older. Ekholm's younger. Ellis, I think is roughly around the same age as, uh, Yossi, but, um, the only issue that I would say is Pecorine. I think right now in the next two years, you know, is Pecorine going to turn into kind of that Henrik Lundqvist where they maybe should get rid of him while his stock is still high or is he going to be a predator for life? Like, I feel like right now, like Pecorine, we've seen in the playoffs, like this guy just doesn't really get it no, done. There's no lockdown going. And, and, he, sure. and he's getting older. So at what point are you like, are we going to ride with this guy? Because you have this UC Soros guy who can be an NHL starter, I would say. And I think it's a he's on a great team to become a starter because the defense and the offense are just locked down in front of him. True. Like, you can almost, like, as much as you can ease a goaltender in, you could give this guy 50 games, and I guarantee that the Preds would still roughly be where they're at right now. Yeah, I don't disagree. With uh, you. I would say let's uh, let let's touch on the Canucks real quick before we go into our interview. Yeah, uh, just a note: we got a, a great interview with Brady Tredinero. Yeah, um, guy's done some amazing writing for the Canucks at Canucks.com. He's he was also fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah, he's a great guy. We had a yeah. phone interview with him. Uh, he's got a great following on Twitter. He does a lot of digital media content for the NHL, just constantly posting clips of NHL as quick as anyone on the web. So uh, we'll be getting into that pretty soon. But I want to touch on the Canucks real quick. Yeah, because um, that was an amazing game by them. It was. That was the that was the complete game, I think. Yeah. One, of, one of the few complete games we've had this year. Like, obviously, there was the two goals. And you know what? Maybe I should retract that statement because as of 10 and, 10 and change to go in the second period, that yeah. was a lot of Nashville. The, I think the and second period was all Nashville. All Nashville? I would say majority of it was. Like, the you know, the Canucks were up 4 nothing, and then – in a matter of two minutes, they they score two goals. Yeah, and and for, and, and for a second there, you're like, uh, and like the Canucks didn't add, the Canucks didn't add the the five two goal until two minutes left in in well, the second. Okay, so I wouldn't say it was all Nashville. We start no. the period off with a goal. I think and it's you pretty, ended it with a goal. Yeah, it's pretty even. Yeah. throughout the first five, if not seven minutes. Yeah, and. And even because you can't, they should be playing way more shutdown hockey because it's four nothing. Yeah. But I understand it. It's it's not even halfway through the game yet. But the distressing part is that when the adversity finally cracks and they get the goal, they get the first goal, then they get the second one right after. Okay. For me, the adversity is defined by that second goal going in because it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a lucky bounce. It goes to him, whatever. Yeah. But it's also, it's also a lack of um, urgency. Like you just gave up a goal, you're known for break, for losing leads. Yeah. And so that should be the moment where the team responds. But after that, there was at least three or four solid chances, whether they were breakaways, two on ones, yeah. where Marstrom had to make huge saves. Dude, the Marstrom, like we we can't say enough about this guy. Like you know, just looking at what we've been saying since the beginning of the year of, um, 
Markstrom, you know, we're questioning, is this guy going to be a starter by the end of the year? Oh, he's only going to get maybe like a 50-30 game split. Like, yeah. the, this guy has owned this crease. And, and we get in uh, more in depth in the interview with Markstrom, so I, I don't want to spoil anything. But, again, last night, Nashville, 38 shots. Like, 38 fucking shots. Like, they outshot us again, and we scored six goals. Yeah. And they only scored two. Like, that. that's just going to tell you something right there. Like, it, and I think there was an interview. I think it was in the second intermission with Brandon Sutter. Um, and he's like, we need to lock it down. Like, they had way too many chances. And they did. Like, that, that game could have been a lot worse. Um, but Jacob Markstrom is just, he's playing on out of his mind yeah. right now, I would say. And it's hard. It's hard like, to is take he him... in the Vezina candidacy right now? Like, I think would you put him top, there? Top four. Top five, sorry. Yeah. I think that there are cases to be made for other guys. 100%. Probably better cases. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win. No. Um, if, if by chance, you know what? If by chance, the recipe for him winning is if the Canucks go on a run, win the division clear by five points or so. Yeah. Then I think there's a chance for him to get that Vesna. Yeah, because I think for the Vesna, like, that goalie essentially carries you to the playoffs. Like, that's like, uh, you know, t- no one's playing well yeah. on your team. And, like, I think... If the Canucks were winning more than more two one games and whatnot, where even the offense is cold, like they're getting a couple goals. Agreed, yeah. And and then they're on top of the division, like that's like a Vezina Trophy candidacy. Yeah, I would say. Agreed. Yeah. Um. Anything else? So so maybe just wrapping up this game. I mean, it, where it leaves us in the standings now, we're still one point ahead of Edmonton after tonight. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton ended up edging out the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. which fucked one of my bets up. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> um, but so now we're one point ahead of Edmonton, three clear of, of Vegas, who lost tonight. Yeah. Um, some ga- A little bit of gap, still trending there. Yeah. Um, once again, there's only three points separating first to fifth. Um, there's Now we're starting to get those games in hand back, so, I mean, it's a bit skewed. But basically where we're at here, it's still, in my opinion, the Blackhawks is a must-win game because – of the type of night it is it's it's the Sedin's jersey retirement against the hawks baby the fucking energy in this building is going to be nuts and and you know what i read what's that kessler is going to be there as well oh he's been all over twitter yeah there's been constant polls how about this uh before we get into the interview just give me a yes or no answer would you boo kessler well okay i was actually going to ask you about that before you actually asked me that question is I wasn't. Uh, give me a yes or no answer, then we'll tail it back in after the interview. Okay. Well, I might change my. Okay. So no, no. So I you wouldn't boom. Okay. Well, no. we'll explain it after the interview. But for now, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview with Brady Tredinero. Here we go. Um, all right. So now on the Stick and Ring podcast, we're happy to welcome Brady Tredinero. Nailed that. What's up, Brady? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Yeah, really good. Really good. Welcome to Stick and Rank. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird welcoming on another person onto this podcast. I mean, our quality is never high enough to a point where we feel like we can't accept people. It's more people are insane enough to even agree to come on with us. So thank you for somehow allowing that into your head and just being an open-minded person wanting to talk to guys like us. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to being on. So, yeah. Okay. okay, so um, my first question for you. Um, Obviously, you're a Canucks fan, just like us. You live, eat, breathe mm-hmm. Canucks. So I'm going to give you one here. The Canucks have blank your expectations so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I would say that when you look at where, where they are right now, you know, being on top of the, uh, the Pacific Division, I mean, you have to say that they've surpassed the expectations. I mean, in the way that they've done it, has kind of been, I mean, I think that can be debated, you know, with some, some ugly kind of losing streaks mixed in there, but I mean, where they stand right now, I would say that they've, uh, they've surpassed my expectations. Um, if you were to, if you were to give us a team right now that, uh, you're concerned about personally, I'm still kind of shitting my pants over Edmonton possibly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what team in the Pacific division, or even let's just say if the playoffs were to start, uh, today, what team would you not want to play right now? I mean, I definitely, I think you're, you're, you're onto something with the Oilers. I think they have sky high potential with their two stars there, McDavid and Drysaddle. But I mean, for me, like 
you do not want to go up against Vegas, in, in my opinion. I think Canucks have shown that, you know, ever since Vegas entered the league, the Canucks have not fared well against them. I don't know what it is. I mean, I think you can make a case with, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury stumbling a little bit right now that maybe the Canucks could actually pull out, pull out a win. But just based on the history and their struggles, I mean, I don't think they would, they would have a great chance uh, against Vegas. And you know what, Brady? I'm going to tell you this right now. You're a smart man. I don't know who I'm sitting next to, how drunk he actually is, but the fact that he didn't say that is fucked because that is a team that is catfishing the entire Pacific Division. All of us are sitting right, there. Yeah. Like, like the Canucks. We're like, oh, man, we're first in the division. Calgary and Edmonton are thinking, like, shit, we're going to make the playoffs. Arizona is high on their minds right now. Yeah, they are actually mm-hmm. close to a wild card spot, which is, I guess, a familiar spot, but they haven't choked it yet, so they're stoked. And Vegas is sitting there acting like they have him into a cup final recently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and a lo- yeah, and a lot of the underlying stats will tell you, you know, when you kind of look at all the numbers that Vegas has been really good. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, you can maybe start to see them really kind of surge uh, in this kind of stretch to, to the playoffs. I, I mean, with, with Josh's comment too, I think that there, there is something to be said for, for the Oilers combination because come playoff time when it's just a best of seven series and you're playing one game at a time against the same opponent every time, I feel like McDavid and Dreisaitl are fully capable of winning two, three games just by themselves. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, I mean, they've got so much, so much talent and so much skill. And you look at the last time that um, the Oilers made the playoffs um, a few years back when, you know, they took, they made it to the the second round and they took Anaheim to, to seven and, that was when, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of experience. Those, you know, McDavid and Drysdale. now they've got even more experience under their belt and they've become two of the best players in the league. I think, you know, the, you know, that's, that's scary for, for any team going up against, against Edmonton facing, you know, two superstars like that. Yeah. I, I also think as well, like going back when they did make the playoffs that year, like those were high scoring series too. Like San Jose and mm-hmm. Anaheim were high scoring. Like those are like five plus goal games, and those like McDavid was flying in that time. Mm-hmm. And I think at that really time, was. I hadn't really come into his own yet. Yeah. They, they had the same old Edmonton problems they had. They've always had. But I mean, high scoring games in the playoffs. That kind of sounds like what the Vancouver Canucks could be could be needing. Could be that yeah. could be the only type of games we might win in the playoffs. But I mean, with with the recent struggles that our homies the Canucks have had, and the last four games or so now. Um, it's obviously got Canucks Nation panicking a little bit. It's got Josh and I just sweating over here. Um, do you do you think that this latest slump is is kind of the true colors of the team coming through finally, or do you think it's just the ups and downs of a season? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you know there's always going to be ups and downs in, in a season. I mean, it's 82 games. It's really hard to you know maintain just you know a consistent winning winning pace. But at the same time, it's kind of this trend where the Canucks do seem to get, you know, outshot a lot and they're relying a lot on Markstrom. He's one of the uh, the busiest goalies in the NHL with just the amount of volume of shots that he faces. And the Canucks have just shown that they do need him to come up with saves and in the games that he's, that he's not able to do that, they often come up short. So I think, you know, it's definitely an issue when you look at, you know, th- that their blue line and how it kind of compares to a few um of the other top teams in the West, um, you know, the Canucks are lacking on the blue line, but um, I, I'd say it's a little bit of both. You're not going to, um, you know, win every single game, but at the same time, they're just getting outshot too much. Yeah. I, I think I, every, every person that we've talked to, and even, even twice a week when we meet to talk about the Canucks, it seems like even when we're praising them and giving them all the, the props in the world, we always come back to the fact that they don't seem to have a very sustainable recipe for success, especially come playoff time. Like, there are yeah. team, there's not many teams that have a sustained playoff run winning these games like like we said like five four and getting outshot like 38 to 20 like it doesn't doesn't really happen right, too yeah. often but I, I think we got some time to figure it out and and especially with the injuries coming up I mean our team's gonna have to start learning how to win these different types of games yeah exactly you're gonna have to adjust and especially in the playoffs it's all about adjustment and, and kind of like unsung heroes and you kind of never really know um, what's, what can happen in, in a seven-game series. So that could be something that, you know, benefits the Canucks if, you know, they tighten up defensively and they start getting, you know, some production from, you know, increased production from some unlikely sources. I, that could be huge. But, I mean, it's definitely not, you know, a, a sustainable plan, you know, to get outshot and rely on, you know, 
your offense to kind of outscore the other team. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the other part of it is as well is like Elijah and I have talked about this and I, I think you would obviously agree. Like, I feel like, you know, the, the shining stars uh, this year for the Canucks is obviously like just our scoring. Like we're put, we're putting the puck in the net. Like there's no doubt about that. And Markstrom is mm-hmm. having, I would say a phenomenal year, um, you know, coming up to the deadline, um, you know, if you're looking at this blue line, you know, Quinn Hughes is an amazing offensive talent, but I would also argue that he could also sometimes be a defensive liability. Fantenberg going down obviously doesn't help. Myers, I guess, isn't – I wouldn't say he's not meeting expectations, but I guess, like, when you look at how he was in Winnipeg, it's it's easy for us to sit here and say, like, you know, he might be underperforming, but at the same time, like that blue line was stacked in Winnipeg. Like if you're Jim Benning going into the deadline, are you looking to add a blue liner? What what would you add at the deadline, if any? Yeah, I mean, the Canucks, I mean, every year you're going to hear like the rumors and, and who's linked to, to who and stuff like that. And I think, you know, the Canucks could could use somebody on that on that left side. Um, just because when you, when you look at, you know, um, You've got you got Hughes as kind of the primary guy, and then um, you've got you know um, Edler, and then you know Ben's kind of had his had his ups and downs. You know you can kind of look, you know I maybe look at you know some 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 of the options out there like Brendan Brendan Dillon possibly. I know they've also been possibly interested in Alex Martinez. Um, so I mean there are some of those kind of depth guys out there that can kind of give you that piece. It's, I mean it's not going to be a game changer. And I mean, the other area possibly the Canucks have been linked to is kind of a scoring um, forward that can play on, you know, Bull Horvath's line, you know, um, obviously uh, recently came out that the Canucks have been interested in Wayne Simmons. I don't really necessarily think he's, he's the guy, but a guy like, you know, um, him, Tyler Toffoli, those type of players, right? Um, they could, yeah, just a scoring kind of winger to, to, to play with Bo. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, I know earlier, Brady, I said you're a smart guy. I, I truly believe it. You're a smart guy. So I'm fully trusting that you're going to be able to give me some sort of situation that with the expansion draft, with Markstrom, with Demko, you're going to find me a way that we can keep both of them and not fuck ourselves in the cap crunch. You're able to do that for us, right? <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could be that, that, uh, that smart guy that can – I can find a way and you know, maybe, maybe that'll come, but as of right now, the way I see it is it's, they're going to be forced into a, into a difficult spot there because that's just the way, you know, that the draft works. And I, I mean, I right now don't see um, a situation. I also don't, I also think it's important not to look like too far ahead and kind of, you know, just, you know, kind of see the options right now and see what's, what's the best choice. But um it's it's definitely going to be tough when when they have to make that call and i don't really see a solution that's going to allow you know them to keep them you know protected and 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 signed yeah and and so what it sounds like is maybe 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 the headline that we can post after this is that brady smart guy brady says that canucks are off their rocker when people are saying trademarks from this year right yeah, are are you one of those? Are you one of those? I'm, I'm 100% like, games? it makes me question, like, if I'm if I'm living in some sort of Truman Show world when I'm part of Canucks Nation, when people say that we should trade like a top five goal in the league right now and we're hanging on to first in the Pacific, but I can barely see the justification behind it when you say, like, trade them at a high value, we're going to run in the situation anyway. But I'm much more of a let's package our problems into a bag and leave them for later, maybe next year, when it really comes to fruition, when you actually have to decide. I think that's when we deal with it. Um, that's really, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand the other side of it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not on the trade, you know, Jacob Markstrom right now train Thank either, God. just because he's proven, he's proven himself to be, you know, he's, a, he's up there among, you know, the top goalies this year in the NHL. And, you know, when you got a team that, you know, could make a run like as, as early as this year, I, I just don't see why you would want to get rid of that, especially, I mean, Demko, he's, you know, he's been playing well, but he's it's such a such a small sample size, right? It is. And mm. he, yeah, it's just, it's so small. And you, I mean, DP Etro, you also, I mean, you're projecting, you're hoping he's going to kind of be, you know, a great goalie in the NHL one day. But I mean, you don't really know that. The one thing you know right now is you can count on Jacob Markstrom. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think the other, the other issue as well with it all is, is Jacob Markstrom in a contract year this year as well? Yeah, he's a UFA coming up. Like, yeah, I, I feel like, at the, I feel like at the same time right now, like, you know, it's, I find it's just almost a little bit ironic in the sense that like Markstrom is kind of just kind of hovered around like the mid-level goaltenders since he's been with the Canucks. Now, granted, the Canucks haven't been that good. I feel like this is the first year that they've assembled a really good team and all their prospects are really starting to come out of their shells. But at the same time, like, like you got to sign this guy and you're going to have to make a decision. Like, you know, he's clearly earned, like, you know, a good enough contract, I would say, you know, a four or five-year deal uh, possibly for the Canucks. That's the thing. At his age, four or five years is going to be tough to justify. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be gives and takes on both sides with no move clauses and this amount of money. Yeah. And, and that type of thing. I mean, re- really what, what's, what's crazy about this whole situation is that we, when you look at the Canucks as an organization, I mean, we've been dealt pocket aces with, mm-hmm. with Schneider and Luongo, and somehow we fucked that up. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I remember being a fan and thinking, like, I don't know where we went wrong. We had two at the time, they were two Vesna capable goalies. Yeah. And lost both of them. And now here we are, kind of not quite in the same situation, but kind of in the same situation. Like, it's, a go- us- it's a good, it's a bad situation to have. It's a bad problem to have, or a good yeah. problem to have. That, there good we go. problem to have. We figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. And so, yeah. Can you, can you imagine the riot and the uproar we'd be in if we fucked up Pocket Aces twice? That's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember that, you know, that, that time when you had, you know, when you had, um, you know, those, you know, two great goalies and kind of how that all just transpired. It was just mind boggling. I remember at the time. And then, I mean, it did kind of work out in the end, but I mean, at the time, wow. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're finding yourself into another t- type of situation here and it's, it's just tough when, you know, you have the, the, uh, you, you know, the Seattle, the expansion team and I think you kind of you know you, you mentioned the, the no move thing and I think that's going to be huge because if that isn't in play you know you could that could be something that comes in where you make a deal involving the suspect the expansion where you know you don't trade for someone you don't uh you don't select somebody based on a certain deal but I mean I've, I'm pretty sure Markstrom is going to want that security he's going to want to be paid quite a bit from what I'm hearing, and it might be more than the Canucks are willing to go for right now. So that's an issue. What what do you think, um, you know, if you have any insider information on that, like what are, what do you think like Markstrom is going to ask for? Like what's his cap hit going to be and what's that length going to look like for the Canucks? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, from, you know, just from the general kind of chatter, I mean, it's probably looking, you know, he's going to be wanting to be in between five and six mil for a decent term. Yeah. And whether, whether or not you think that that's fair or not, I mean, people are going to, you know, argue that because he's, as you mentioned, he's been known as being mediocre prior to kind of having some, some great years. And, you know, he's probably going to be looking for, for some term of, you know, probably anywhere from around, you know, three, four years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. I, I'm fully willing. When we were talking about trades, and I kind of portrayed myself as a guy who does not like any kind of trades in that sense. The only trade that I like that's a big move is if it came down to it, if we somehow find a way on the books to get Demko and Markstrom under not outrageous contracts, and then the expansion draft came around, if we even had to package like a, a pretty decent package, including draft picks and a prospect to just keep both of them to keep Seattle mm-hmm. away, then I'm I'm fully on board with that because I think me and Josh have talked long and long about how it's a two goalie league and it's only going to get more like that yeah so if you can hold on to two of these guys for as long as humanly possible i think that's the key yeah that's i fully agree with that like nowadays in the nhl like the teams that are winning are the teams with you know that can ride two goalies like it's it's so that's why i mean i feel like toronto needed to make that move to get jack campbell i don't know how good he's going to be but you just see you just can't overwork your starter because he goes down you don't have a reliable backup. You're just, you're, you're messed. And I think, you know, the importance of having two, two goalies that you can count on it is huge. So, I mean, whether or not the Knuffs are able to keep these two or, you know, get another guy when one of them goes, I think that's going to be important. Yeah. I, and, <clears throat> you know, obviously just talking from a Canucks perspective, like, you know, having, having Demko and Markstrom, like, you know, you know, we're sweating right now. I couldn't even imagine being a Washington fan with Braden Holtby and the Samsonov kid who's just 
unreal. Like they're probably just shitting themselves out in DC. Like that's a huge yeah. problem that they have. Cause that's like Mark Andre flurry, Matt Murray type type stuff. Yeah. I feel, I feel like a li- little bit's alleviated <clears throat> though, with the fact that they won a cup recently and there's a way more of an age gap. I feel like Holtby's in his mid thirties. No. Yeah. He's getting, that yeah. Way. I mean, the guy looks like he- it at least. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I kind of yeah. wanted to change gears a bit. Sorry, I didn't even give you a chance to answer that question. What, what, your thoughts on the, the Capitals win? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really it's really interesting because he's going to be, um, you know, he's going to, to – he's getting up there in age, right? And you've got this, you know, young guy who's, who's, who's very promising, and it's just going to be a, a, a tough situation for them, and I don't think it, it might not end in, in a great way. Yeah, I could agree with that. I kind of wanted to switch gears here and just talk general NHL for a second. For and sure. It, it, for, for my question, at least, it jumps right to the playoffs. And I've, I love this question. I phrase it to a few people, and it always puts them in a mental pretzel. So I want to do it for you here. So this kind of takes in the idea of the parity that we have in the league right now and just gives your take on it all in one question. So if I gave you Tampa Bay, Boston, St. Louis, and Washington as your cup winners, or you get to take the entire rest of the field, who are you taking out of those two options? Did I did I phrase that in an okay way? Okay, so the two teams that are playing in the final, or the winner out of no, those? so so the winner of the cup. If I gave you all those four teams, or you get the field, like the all, the rest of the teams, who 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 are you comfortable oh, I taking? See. Yeah. Okay. Basically, asking like, I do mean, you think a favorite's going to take it this year, or do you think it's like yeah, see, like I last see, year yeah. where a lot of the favorites got out in the first round? I think that I think a favorite's taken it this year, and it's because I think that um, there's just too much. I don't think what happened at Tampa Bay last year can happen again to them. I just don't. I mean, that would be a huge story, but I don't. It, see it does. It. it does. Whenever something like that happens, it does kind of feel like it's a it's a once every few years kind of happening. Yeah, once it happens, yeah. everyone's on edge, and it's it's all this news coverage about the first rounds now. Yeah, and you're starting to see the Lightning just show what they can do. Like, I've been big on the Lightning. I thought this was going to be a huge year for them after what happened to Clu- against Columbus. You just, you're starting to see, like, they had a very uneven first half, but they're turning it on right now. I think they trail Boston by, like, five points now or something. I mean, they're, they're just rolling. And I think the Blues as well, I, I love the Blues roster. And, I mean, it's practically the same team that they had – Last year, that kind of knows they're they're built for the playoffs, in my opinion, the style that they play. And but I mean, you you also you never know. But I mean, if I had to do, I I would take one of the favorites. Yeah, I I think you know I I like where your head's at in Tampa Bay because uh, you know last year and um, you know kind of coming into this year, just as a season preview, we were talking about Tampa Bay and. You know, last year, like, I think there was a stat, like, they didn't lose more than three games in a row all year. Could have been actually two games, like, consecutively. Yeah, games. it was something like, there was some ridiculous Like, stats. it was I something. That was one of them, yeah. Yeah, like, it was something crazy. And, you know, you see their slow start, and you're like, okay, like, this team has obviously gotten humbled starting with Columbus last year. And now, you know, they have that humiliation of you know being swept in the first round and you know just being this unreal team that's stacked from top to bottom no matter which way you're looking at it mm-hmm. and I think I think they're a team to be reckoned with and yeah St. Louis like that team is just they're they're something else like their magic yeah. is good their their entire organization like their fans like they just have a great following like St. Louis is a good team yeah yeah don't disagree with I that. definitely agree with you and <clears throat> I mean, but I also think there's some solid, like, there's some solid long, like, long shots. Like, I mean, I'd even throw the Canucks somewhat in that group, but more prominently, I'd say, you know, I think Dallas is looking good. Um, I, I like uh, the Golden Knights as a sleeper and the Avalanche were kind of my, um, one of my favorite teams to to watch heading into this year, just based on all the talents. Um, up front and just, just you know the, the power that they have i'm a little skeptical of their goaltending but another just powerhouse in the west yeah do you think do you think colorado actually goes after uh, a goalie at the deadline or what do you think do you think they just who who is their goaltender right now philip grubauer is it man. grubauer yeah still they, they also have that other guy they, yeah it's kind of they have two guys but grubauer is kind of their 
their starter. Yeah, they're number one. Well, I mean, the biggest trade chip on the block should be Elvis Merzlikens right now. Like I would, <laughs> I would trade story. 16 first rounds for this guy right now. Yeah. He's a beauty. Yeah, um, he's becoming a story. Yeah, so, sorry, going, going ahead. Do you, do you think that Colorado goes in to pick up a goalie? Um, I don't think they're going to. Um, they might, if, but I mean, I think based on what these – because I think Grubauer was in the postseason last year, and he got some experience there, and he's been doing he's been doing okay. Um, I think if they do do a move like this, there's just not like starting goalies that are available, you know, like that are yeah. like elite and stuff. It could just be like a depth guy or a guy mm-hmm. that's like struggled in on another team, like a, a Jimmy Howard that they're hoping to pull in to kind of like bring some experience or something. But I don't see them landing like a top starter at the deadline yeah for sure i I would agree with that all right brady i got one question left for you here's my final question um i saw on your twitter profile you went to bcit for journalism so yeah i've never met you i kind of just want to get a vibe for for the type of journalist you are so would you kind of describe yourself as more of a larry brooks or more of a bob mckenzie (laughs) i mean Larry Brooks stuff is so entertaining to watch, but I, yeah. I have to describe I have to describe myself as more of Bob McKenzie. I like to get okay. the the information right. That's kind of what I'm about. So there we there we go. We've got the prodigy of hockey, the godfather, the future godfather of hockey. Yeah. Um, Whoa. <laughs> stay woke, man. It's coming. Uh, we couldn't thank you enough though for coming on the podcast, Brady. Um, for all of our listeners, yeah. you can check this guy out on Twitter at Brady Tredinero. Uh, tons of tons of NHL digital content. They're pretty much on the ball at all times. I don't know how you yeah. do it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I try to stay on top of it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. It was a fun chat. Yeah, good stuff, man. We'll, we'll definitely do this again later in the season and hopefully come playoff time. You take it easy, all right? All right. And once again, thank you so much to Brady Tredanero for coming on Sick and Rank. Pleasure having that guy on. That guy's so fucking knowledgeable about this team. Yeah. Like, I actually learned so much. Like, just even we, when we were asking him about Vegas and Edmonton, and I'm like, holy shit, like, this guy could could be any fan of any NHL team. You, and you do hear him he using does. the words, underline stats, and then you kind of your butthole kind of clenches up, but you're like, oh, because shit. Because I'm like, oh, I'm shit, like no God, stats. we claim to be being a factory. This guy yeah. is just, holy shit, his body's probably a temple, and he's a factory in himself. So. One of my favorite parts about being a podcaster right now is that some of the podcasts I listen to, one of their favorite things to do is bring on recurring guests. Yeah. It's like, we've been going so long that like some of the most famous people we have are now recurring guests. But what's sweet for us, mm-hmm. we're just starting to get guests. Now. Yeah. So we get to mold into what is our recurring guest. Yeah. So when we get McKenna on the show, we, we'll probably get more than one shot. 100%. All right. So why don't we tail this back into the conversation we left off with. So I talked to you about Kessler. Yeah. Whether or not you'd boo him. Now, you're obviously a new Canucks fan. You might not understand... Okay, yeah, so type of divorce it was. Okay, so here's my question. Yeah, so why how how did he leave the Canucks and was there a reason why as to this, he was traded? Cuz I always make the joke that he clapped Hammer's wife. Yeah. It and wasn't I, Ham Hughes though. Or it was Schneider. Schneider. It was Schneider. Schneider. Yeah, it was Schneider's yeah. girl. But is did. that actually true though? No, I no idea. But like it was alleged though. Like was it, it was, actually that reported? was the alleged story. Okay. But so but that was that was kind of the reason I would say the end result of that was that Schneider was shipped out of town. Yeah, you but know, I don't think that was a reason as that, to why. No, that wasn't the re- that wasn't the main reason it but happened. Probably, it but. could have been a contributing factor on top of the entire Luongo situation yeah. that was going on. Absolutely. Okay. And so what? Ha- so, so what happened the, with Cass? The reason for the bad blood, yeah. is kind of just a testimony to how sensitive as a society we are. Not even Vancouver, just everyone. Okay. But all he did was request a trade. It was when it was like right around his expiring contract. I want to imagine it was probably 2014, maybe okay. 15. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's um, been gone for quite some time. Oh, he's been gone for, yeah, a decent. And he played a couple years, a few years in Anaheim. It might've even been 2014. Yeah. Um, basically all he did was request a trade. He w- wasn't very good in the media during that time. Like you, you could tell he was pissed off. It was a losing team at the time. Right. Because I guess that would have been, yeah. Post cup run. Oh yeah. When, t- was the, when was the Canucks final run? Like 2011? Yeah, it was 2010-2011 season. Right. Okay. So three years into a drought of like the window kind of closing then. Yeah. Okay. And, Interesting. And so basically, and was, he what having a, was he having bad years with the Canucks, or was he like still putting up numbers? Like, was he still like that second line center, or like how? I I I honestly don't really remember the situation that much. Yeah. Way back, but all I know is that 
it, it's just crazy to me that I'm going to say no. He, he was probably not having his best years. He right. was he was in the middle of being an injury-prone guy with right. terrible hips. Yeah. Um, and I think that what he wasn't happy with is that when he finally got back to health and to like being able to play, he came back to a shitty team that was constantly near the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so, and maybe he didn't get along with the coach at the time. I don't know, but that would have been still Vigneault at the time, right? Uh, no, was it was Willie gone? Desjardins at that point. Desjardins, okay, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, and oh, it might have even been Torts, Torts to Desjardins, but right. Um, yeah. So basically, the entire Canucks hatred just comes from that that idea that he requested a trade and he got his way out of town. So yeah. I stand with you. I would not boo him. I don't understand why you would. He he had so many great. Like I just moments. remember watching him in the playoffs. Like this guy was unreal. For I'll the sh- yeah. And I know you didn't. You don't know it too particularly, but he completely won that second round series for us by himself. I don't have the stats, but I'll show you the highlights afterwards of that yeah. entire series. Like, did he just dominate? He put the team on his fucking back. It was it was a six game series. Yeah. And I remember this one play where he went end to end, split maybe not end to end, but picked the puck up, split the D. Right. Goal all by himself, and it was a huge goal. Yeah, so looking at his stats, so in the 2010-2011, he had 66 points, or sorry, 73, 73 points, sorry, 49 points in 77 games. Jesus Christ, I'm looking at his penalty minutes right now. Then 2012-2013, he got hurt, only played 17 games, but still had 13 points in 17 games. So, decent. With his final season with the Canucks, 77 games played, 43 points. So, like, his his productivity, I guess, kind of dropped off a little bit from kind of where it was. But at the same time, like, this guy didn't seem bad. And looking at his stats, like, 29-2010, this guy, yeah, 75 points in 82 games. Oh, like, in 2009? Yeah, 29-2010 oh, season. This guy, he won the Selkie at one point because he was the best two-way forward in the game. Yeah, like that's not so... Top face-off, man. He had, he had everything. And the guy he went was to physical. O- oh, and the guy went to Ohio State. I love that. That's yeah, why there he's you a go. dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have any final comments on the Kessler situation, but... Honestly, I liked watching him play. Um, he, he was always a pain in the ass. Like, even watching Calgary play against them in Anaheim a couple years ago, like, he would line up against the Monaghan and Gaudreau line and just shut, shut it down. It down. Yep. Shut it down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I personally predict him to be in the Ring of Honor one day. Uh, yeah. Kind of reserved for special moments and special people in, in Canucks history. Right. Um, but, yeah, why don't we move on? We got uh, a new, fresh batch of a four-game heater for you. So, we did two and – did we do two and two? Or was it one and three? I think it was one and three. I think three. it was one and three as well. It was one and three. Yeah, we went one and three on this old heater Holy. here. Holy – um very close to getting skunked on that one yeah uh tough one but now so we're looking at another four home games here so not too shabby yeah thank you very much Mm -hmm. um we're gonna start out with chicago i know i've already kind of labeled that as a must win game yeah so that's coming up tomorrow i'm excited uh i guess people will be listening to us on thursday so this game will have already happened and the canucks will have already won yes so going into the four game heater this one will now look to anaheim on sunday Minnesota on Wednesday, and then followed up by the Bruins, the big old bad Boston beautiful Bruins, coming uh, on Saturday. So, um, maybe quickly give me your thoughts on the Chicago game coming up Chicago here. Chicago game, I fu- night. I fully agree. Like I think this is going to be just a, a must-win game, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like it's hard for Taves and Kane probably not to sit on the bench. It's like we're going to stick it to the Sedins one more time, even though they're not even fucking playing. Yeah. And, and just come out swinging. Um, so there is that possibility, but you're you're right. Like, I think the Canucks want to win for these guys. Like, I feel like this is just going to be a big two games for the Canucks. Yeah. Um, Anaheim must win. Uh, I've been saying that, I said this last podcast, anytime you're playing a California team this time of the year, you need to win those games. You can't afford to lose those. It's just, the, they're bottom feeders. You okay. need to beat these teams. Now, I'm going to go ahead and label that Kind of the opposite of a must, not the opposite, but way less than a must-win game, just because. Yeah. So it needs to be a winnable game. You yeah. don't have to really win it, but it's we great need to be, if you yeah. do. We need to be, the only reason that I'm chucking around the must-win word for the Chicago game is because that Chicago game is is going to, regardless of the outcome of this season, it's going to be looked back as a memorable night in Canucks history. And if you win this game, 
it's going to put you one way bigger step closer to playoffs. Yeah. So you can really put your stamp on this game, on this season, with a very impactful, very memorable, very meaningful game. Last two games. Last two games, yeah. And that's, yeah. Why, that's why I labeled both of them a must-win game because, like, this is – if you can't win these nights at home, when you're, your entire when you're building is your buzzing. greatest players. When, like, I guarantee you every player on the bench has goosebumps because it's like these guys put 20 years in that jersey. Yeah. And the entire building is going to go fucking like, I wild. I want to be just like them. Yeah. And I want my team playing hard for me on yeah. my night. And, like, you already outmatch this team on paper, so everything's pointing towards me betting way too much money on this game. Yeah. So that's why I label that a must-win game. Coming into okay. the Ducks, though, the, I look at the next two games after that, the Ducks and the Wild. I mean, the Wild have proved to be quite pesky. The Wild, you you need some sort of redemption. Yeah. I mean, if you beat the Wild, you're going you're going in hot to Boston. That's what you need to be to even have a sniff of beating this team. Yeah. You got rocked at you got rocked in their barn for Dick last time you played like a couple weeks ago. Um, and plus, if if we beat Anaheim and we beat Minnesota, we've won four in a row. We just erased that four game skid, and now you can you have a good opportunity at beating a Stanley Cup favorite and really get the momentum going. Josh, thank you. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Because you just gave me an installment of the factory, and I didn't even ask for it. Yeah. If we win these next three, that's a four-game win streak. Yeah. And that four-game skid is bye-bye. Boom. Yeah. Facts, baby. My, my favorite part about this four-game heater coming up is I think the Canucks finally have a reason to be mad at the Boston Bruins again, the current Canucks, because that Pedersen hit. I'm expecting a reply. What happened with the Pedersen thing? The Grizzlick hit on Pedersen. It was like two and a half seconds late. Pedersen missed a game because of it. Still probably doesn't feel great. Yeah. And it went unpunished. So let me ask you this. Who's answering the bell for the Bruins no. and who's answering the bell for the Canucks? Grizzlick will do it himself. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's tough That's enough. And that that is the type of culture that makes Boston such a great team is that everyone in that locker room Hold, holds with, themselves accountable. With the exception of Pasternak and maybe Bergeron, but they don't go around doing these things. But they don't do that shit. Exactly. But so they even Marchand being the biggest rat, like he holds his own. Same yeah. with Kachuk in, in the most Cassian. Part, yeah. Holds his own. So I think Grizzlick will answer the bell. The, the curious question is, is who steps up. I mean, maybe it's Roussel. Yeah. Maybe it's. Uh, Nikita Trampkin, maybe just call him up. <laughs> Have him and Chara bring, drop him. Bring in the superhuman. <laughs> I'd He's love not to see good that at fight. defense, but he Char fight bang Chara bang. Chara and Trampkin? That'd oh, be geez. hilarious. That'd be a passing of the torch when he knocks him out cold like apparently, Ovi on Svechnikov. Apparently Chara is just a freak in the gym. Oh, yeah. Like he's like a days. gym fucking rat. Yeah. Anyway, I just see him doing like like six foot nine pelvic thrusts. Do you imagine just doing, <laughs> seeing him do pull ups with his fucking orangutan arms? Oh god! You know how far you have to you go? Know, this guy's going up four feet yeah. just to get his chin above the bar. That's actually crazy, nuts. man. Yeah. Um. So overall outcome for this four game heater, I'm looking at, I'm looking at two and two as being. Sorry, I'm going to go three and one because yeah, I'm gonna say this Blackhawks is an automatic dub. It should be a little a little Kelly spice for you yeah. there, a guarantee. Um, but you're right. The Ducks and Wilds should be one of one. It, or yeah. we should get one of two and hopefully two of two. Yeah. But I, I'm fully confident in this team to, to beat fucking Boston. I, I think we can actually beat Boston this time. I think there yeah. is going to be some sort of flair and some redemption where Travis Green is going to put on his Jack Adams hat and be like, hey, boys, like, like let's fucking do this. Yeah. You know, especially especially if we start start out three and zero on this four game heater. Like he's gonna be like guys. Like we're gonna keep this momentum going. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they came into Boston with. Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I was gonna say I thought they came into Boston with a win streak. No, it was the opposite. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they beat the Islanders, lost oh, to Carolina, Carolina, lost yeah. to Boston. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um. So that kind of wraps up our four game heater, though. No. Yep, Why don't you take us into our next topic here, Josh? Connor McDavid. Boom. Three to four weeks. Groin injury. Not fun. You can't be fucking. Dude, this is the issue with having such a fucking great skater. His huge legs, like, they're going to get tired. Dude, I'm just going to explain to you. That, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, his legs are vulnerable. He probably works them out a shit ton. Oh, 100%. I'm going to explain to you the, the path my brain just went down. Okay. So, I'm thinking, you said McDavid, groin, injury. And I thought... Fuck, that sucks. Edmonton and then I thought, out of playoffs. <laughs> I th well, I thought that I thought bet against them tonight. That was a bad idea. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, but what I was thinking is, shit, NHL players have sex too. Do you think? Because he's such he's a twelve million dollar asset. He's just clapping cheeks. Like there's nothing in his contract. But do you think when he's having sex, he's kind of conscious of like, okay, like I can't just 
risk it all and pick her up when I don't think I can. This guy probably like, has knee pads and shit too. Yeah, like yeah. do you think he goes on the bottom more often just because it's got, safer? He's probably got wrist guards on top just in case he doesn't jam his hand. <laughs> he's wearing, probably wears wearing like ankle braces in bed. Dude, this guy, you know like what the NBA players wear when they fuck up their face and yeah. the girl doesn't scratch it? Probably wears one of those like the Batman mask that LeBron had three years ago. Um, Jesus Christ. So here, here's my thing with it, okay? Three to four weeks, decent amount of time. Same with Besser, roughly around the same. Talk about decent. That's and that's their best player going out. That's in the, the middle no, of a that's playoff the race. Best player in the league. Sorry, going that's out. the best player. You, you got me. You got the best one there. Good job. Yeah. So here's here's my thing. This has got to be, like, for Arizona, you you need to start winning some games now. Like you need to get hot. And you need Edmonton to get cold. Yeah. Because wasn't a good the, start today. Because but. right now I was reading that John. There's a rumor that John Chica might actually flip Taylor Hall, oh, and trade him because they're like because it's not going well. Well, they've gone seven and seven nine and one since acquiring this guy. Yeah, it's fucked something. So, up, is, so is he really the game changer that Arizona thought he was? So, and they're saying if not, then Chica needs to make the decision and just flip him and essentially get what he got, if not more. Because now there's less games, which means the stakes are higher for certain teams. That's that that perception has kind of changed. I'm not going to argue too much with you on a, because I don't. I think it's not a proven trend yet, but I think the NHL is going away from paying more for a short term. Yeah, because it's 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 that it's it doesn't make sense in the business world. But but, but now with McDavid, like if you're Arizona, you're totally right though. This is their window. Like you you need to get in because right now the Arizona, Vegas, and Calgary are all are all at 64 points. But Calgary's played 57 games, Vegas has played 58, and Arizona has played 59. Yeah, and as of now, they're still in a playoff spot. Like, they played the most most games in the Pacific Division. Like, they need yeah. to start winning. And the only thing with them is I think that we really won't see, as long as Arizona can get in the playoffs, even if they play St. Louis or Colorado, if they yeah. have their goalies healthy, they have a fighting chance. 100%. Like, so, and yeah. right now, both of them are injured again, Kemper and, and Ranta. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of kind of shameful that the, the, that's timing. That timing came right when McDavid went out too. But I mean, yeah. a great point though, because this is this is their perfect opportunity. But here, but you know, you know why I think this might be an issue. Hey. And this is, hey. and I'm going to list you their games. All right. Okay. Next two games, they beat Montreal yesterday in overtime. Huge. Yeah. They play Toronto on the road. They play Ottawa on the road. Ottawa's a winnable game. Toronto, yeah, we'll see. They played Toronto today. Oh, did they? Yeah, they lost in overtime. Ah, okay. So, no bueno. They got a point. It's not too bad. They have Ottawa. Next game's after that. Washington, New York, Dallas, St. Louis, Tampa. What was the uh, New York game? Islanders or Rangers? Islanders. That's a tough schedule for a Pacific team. And then after Tampa, they've got Florida. Now, obviously, this is in rotation of home and away and whatnot, but yeah. regardless, you are playing the beasts Nuts. of the Atlantic and Metro. Crazy, man. So, it, like, this is do or die for them at this point. Yeah. And it's a it's a shitty do or die because if yeah. you can win these games, you're you're cementing yourself – or, sorry, you're positioning yourself in a tremendous spot to make a move Yeah, in, in, up the standings. But if you lose these games, you could very well find yourself out. 100%. Like with a shit show's like chance of making need, it. You need to have a positive record against those teams. Yeah. So that's something you and I will probably follow pretty closely, actually, Definitely. now that we've set up. But yeah, with McDavid going out, Edmonton, you know what? Let's see how good Dreisaitl this really is, a, is. This is his Malkin moment. That now, yep, seriously. Can he be the Malkin to the Crosby? Yeah. Can he throw this team on his back? You've got Darnell Nurse, kind of like a Chris Letang. Goaltending is still a huge question mark in wishy, Alberta wishy. right now. Yeah. Um, but you know this Kyler Yamamoto kid is having an unreal year. Yeah. Uh, you know Darnell Nurse's contract is over. You know you still have Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He just signed the other day, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, something to consider for sure. Um, yeah. So why don't we wrap this episode up? I think we just wanted to touch on the Jay Bomeister incident that's happened two hours before we recorded. Yeah. Uh, pretty nuts. He collapsed on the ice mid game. The game was postponed due to the event. Yeah. So it um, says, I just got a Bomeister update 15 minutes ago. So he had a cardiac episode on the bench and fuck. was stabilized by medical staff. He was alert and moving all extremities on way to hospital. That is insane. So obviously we want to make sure that, yeah, make sure that that guy's okay and whatnot. And, 
Yeah, cardiac event is is. I mean, whenever I see a guy collapse on the bench, you're kind of hoping for faint because you know faint is just blood flow and it's yeah, yeah, just has blood flow and it's an easy body reset. But when it comes to cardiac events, man, that's like the Rich Peverly thing. Like that could be. I mean, at least in his situation, he's had a long career. He's won a Stanley Cup. Like he's done it all. He's near the end of his career anyway. He might just call it after this. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he signed fuck. a one-year, three point two five million dollar yeah, this, this could past offseason. That's like fuck. That's a shitty way to go out. But yeah, man, like all, all the, all the, all the thoughts going out to him, hoping that he's just his life is okay after this. You yeah, know? seriously. Um, you always think like it's like yeah, it's never gonna happen during a game. But these guys are like elite athletes. Yeah. Like they're healthy. Like they eat right, and you know stuff like this yeah. happens. And you're like, how the hell? Because th- that this is not a regular injury that you see in no. sports. Like you don't see it. No, because they have healthy hearts. They yeah, have some exactly. of the healthiest. Like, like these guys are like skating. Like yeah, they skate, they run, they they do, do it all. So much stuff. And and yeah, so it, it's pretty crazy to see it happen. I mean, it just kind of goes down to the same same kind of feelings that the Kobe situation makes you feel. Like yeah. none of us know the way we're going to go out. Yeah. Or the what we're going to go it through. It shouldn't have gone out like that way. No, it shouldn't yeah. have. But at the same time, so there's no reason to really fear it because, yeah, because who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Right? Anyway, uh, but I think that's a little bit on a somber Eli- note. But Elias I mean, Pedersen, forty. Yeah, done. EP forty. Thanks EP for forty. Thank you. The only other alien-looking thing around here is not Josh's mug. I'm a nice guy. And also one last thanks to Brady Tredinero coming on. Our boy. Our boy at Brady Tredinero on Twitter. We have a boy now. We have a boy. I love it. We don't have a boy. We have a boy. I hope you, Brady, we know you're listening. I hope you know you are now affiliated with Stick and Rick. And all of our opinions and thoughts. Yeah, we'll have a contract drawn up your way. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right, guys. Peace. Peace. Oh, harder, baby.